0: to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? It's a little buzz in here. There's a little buzz in here. I love it. Beautiful weather out. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. The few, the proud, the awesome, the cool. Oh, sorry. Not, not quite as cool as mom's. This is true. A um, couple of things as we get going here. Uh, obviously, there's a big white thing here. Uh, those of you who are uh, kind of off to the side, uh, we've lost some kids, which is uh, uh, we've, which means we've gained some seats uh, towards the end of, of the teaching here. You'll, you'll, you'll want to see that. So even if it's just moved during that part or if you want to find a new seat, you're welcome to do that. Um, so I was, I was in Canada last week, uh, did a little fishing, that was awesome, some of you were asking me about that. We uh, put the hurt on some walleyes, and that was great, so glad to be back. Um, hey, one thing, just by way of uh, kind of introduction, a couple weeks ago I announced um, that May was a tough month for, for Awaken financially, and uh, I wanted to just kind of report a little bit on that. Some of you were asking, like, whatever happened there, and uh, I will say... I'm just really, really proud of this community. A lot of you responded um, just with a, an amazing amount of generosity. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, I'll say we're we're not totally out of the woods. Um, we have, uh, as a pastoral advisory team, met and uh, talked about creative ways that we can cut fixed expenses that we have, uh, things like insurance packages and all that kind of stuff. So all of that work is being done on the on the back end of things, um, but also. Uh, Oh, oh, and I think on that day I actually talked about a trip that I had just taken to LA and I had gone surfing, and if any of you were wondering, like, that seems a little odd, you know, that was, uh, that was a trip that Laura and I decided uh, I wanted to be a part of and had an opportunity to meet for a couple days with kind of a, uh, well, I guess you could say a, a communication hero of mine, and so uh, we did that kind of on our own. So if that was a question where you're like, um, okay, that's a little weird, just rest easy, nothing there. So um, does that sound good? Um, if you did come today uh, ready to participate uh, in Awaken's kind of financial life, those buckets on the tables are what that's for, and we want to encourage you to do that. My heart for you as a pastor is, uh, is that we would grow our capacity to be generous and our hearts for generosity. So that's what I want for you first and foremost, whether or not Awaken is here five, ten years from now, or if you're here five, ten years from now, uh, that's why, that's what my heart would be for you. So I want to invite you into that if, if I could. Um, all right, so we're in First John chapter 4. If you want to turn there, we're going to be in verses 13 to 16. And as you do, I'll just uh, start with a couple of uh, maybe just one question or one thought, one, one story. I spent most of my childhood and, and better, uh, maybe even the better part of my adult life trying to answer the question, who am I? Right? This is a question that humans have talked about and tried to figure out and participate in, in, in conversation around for ages, right? Since humans have been documenting their own history or their own life. Uh, who am I? And what's at the core of who I am? Like, what's at the center? What's at the essence? What's at the base level? Like, where do we really start from? And uh, I, I remember a couple of instances uh, when I was a kid. I, I went to a private Lutheran school in second grade, which was a highly homogenized experience. And then when I was in third grade, I switched to a new school, which, a high, which was a very highly diverse experience, okay? And I was bused from Frogtown, which is kind of, uh, you know, it's the ghetto of St. Paul, and I grew up over in that, in that area. And so I was bused from, from that area over to this other school. And so my bus riding experience was also a very highly diverse experience. Are you all tracking um, kind of the antithesis of what's happening here in this room. We'll just say it, right? Yeah, okay. This is pre-homogenized. That's okay. But my experience on the bus was a very diverse experience. And so, as a second grader who moves schools, you know, going into third grade, you know, this is like, how, who am I? And you know, you got to find your niche and where, where, who are my new friends and all this other kind of stuff. And so, I was just desperately trying to find out, like, who am I going to hang with? Who are going to be my peeps and whatever? And uh, so I, you know, riding the bus to school every morning, um, just kind of started to sit in the back of the bus where the cool kids sat, and all the brothers and sisters were back there, and I was like the lone white kid in the back. And uh, there was one day in particular, I remember it just vividly, now and laters, do you guys remember now and laters? Yeah, the candies, right? Those things are awesome, they're great. And this was the big thing, everybody wanted now and laters in in elementary school. It was weevils, do you remember weevils? The little... uh, the little things. Yeah, Jeff and I went to the same grade school. So they sold these in the in the school store right next to the and later. So it was like the weevils on top of the pencils and the and later. So I'm riding the bus home in and, 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 uh, you know, in the back and uh, and somebody's got a and later in their mouth and some somebody tells a joke and this kid laughs and shoots the and later out of his mouth and nobody sees where it went, but I did. And I say, and I quote, "Oh, that and later's all up in that kid's jacket." <laughs> <laughs> right? And it was just like crickets, because all the brothers and sisters are like, what'd you just say? And so I repeated myself, thinking they didn't hear me. I'm like, that now later's all up in that kid's jacket. And this one sister's like, why'd he just say that now later's up in that kid's jacket, dog? And that's when I knew, like, I am not a brother, and I am totally white, 100%. But it was like, you know, who am I trying to find my place in the world? Looking for a reason, roaming through the night. That was Michael W. Smith. Wow. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, bringing it back, bringing it back. So, you know, one version of trying to figure out who in the world am I? I was. I grew up playing hockey, and so hockey was a big deal of mine. I got to meet the, the Minnesota Gophers when I was a kid as a hockey, as a young hockey player. Big, big deal. And I met a guy named Dave Snuggerud, who was like this big, tall, you know, one of the, the superstars of the Gophers. He autographed my poster, and I like idolized the Gophers. And then for whatever reason, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be a Philadelphia Flyer. I wanted to be a professional hockey player. And I'm not sure why Philadelphia, but at any rate, it was like the Gophers and then Philadelphia Flyers. Like, that's who I want to be, and that was my dream. And that's like, Micah, what, what, what's your deal? Like, what are you about? I want to be a Gopher. I want to be a Philadelphia Flyer. I want to play NHL hockey. That was my deal. Uh, I didn't grow until like the summer after my sophomore year of high school, and so that meant that everybody else got bigger, stronger, faster, and I pretty much stayed the same, and that I realized very quickly, and my dreams of being a professional hockey player were dashed in that moment. The nurse, the school nurse, actually called my mom after my physical, my freshman year. She's like, you know, I'm a little worried about your son. He's not, um, how do I say this, growing? My mom's like, don't worry about it. He's a late bloomer. He'll be fine. So that was my, the end of my hockey career, but then it was golf, it turned to golf, and you know, uh, Freddie Couples, it was like, he won the Masters in 1991, it was like, if I could just be like Freddie. Bottom line, this is a question of great concern for the human, not just me and my own story, but I'm guessing if we went around the room and asked you guys, like, tell us your stories of trying to figure out who are you, and and where do you fit, and, and where do you start from as far as how do you identify who you are as a person? And I think John, uh, actually, in chapter 4, verse 13, kind of gives us a little window into, for him and for this group of people, remember, this is a group of people who are kind of on the backside of the Roman Empire, mostly, uh, scholars would say mostly non-Jewish, maybe some Jews got dispersed out that far, but mostly non-Jewish, new Jesus followers trying to figure out how do we navigate this world that we live in, very complex, Plethora of gods to choose from in the Roman pantheon of gods and the Greek pantheon of gods and and just all kinds of vying voices and things going on And so this is who John writes to and look at what he says in verse 13 This is how we know that we live in him and he in us He has given us his spirit then he goes on he says and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to, this, uh, to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So John in verse 13 presents us with this kind of foundational, like fundamental truth, and helps these guys, these new Christians out in the middle of nowhere, how to identify, I can't put it down, I can't keep it down there. I gotta, gotta have something to hold on to here. How, he presents these people with like this foundational, this fundamental truth as to who are these people and how do they know, right? How do, how do I know that God is in me and that I am in God? That's a question that I think is worth asking and these guys obviously were and John says, listen, this is where you start. You know that something has changed in you. You know that you have moved from a stranger to a friend or uh, you, you, you're no longer strangers and prodigals but you are embraced and welcomed uh, people of God. You know that, in fact, God has taken you as his own, that you have moved as into this adopted son and daughter kind of place. You know that you have moved from darkness to light and from death to life. You know these things. You know who you are because God has given you his spirit. So John's answer to this question, how do, these, how do I know who I am and, and, and how to navigate this thing? John says, listen, you know because the spirit of God is in you. That's how you know that something has changed that something has happened so there's this foundational truth that new creation paul talks about when new creation happens and we say yes to christ something happens where the spirit of god the spirit of christ is now given to you and i those who are the church right remember back in the old testament dwelt in the holy of holies in the tabernacle in the in the 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 actual uh, Ark of the Covenant, and then in the New Testament, we have this sort of dispersion of the Spirit of God into all the world, into the, the people of God, the church. So no longer are you animated by the Spirit of Adam or Eve. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago. No longer is that the animating energy or animating force that drives you and who you are, but rather you are animated by the Spirit of Christ. You are animated, you are given life by this Spirit of God. This is where you start from. Question this morning. I wonder how many of us attempt to answer the question, who am I, and start from a place where we have inaccurate and faulty and untrue information. Maybe I could say it differently. You could say it this way. Where we start from and the information that we have informs our identity, who we are and who we are becoming. Where you start from, how you answer that question, who am I? What's at the the base? What's at the center? What's at the core? The essence of me. Where you start from in the information that you start with informs who you are. It informs your identity. It informs who you are and who you are becoming. Which, of course, if you like to do deductive reasoning, the information that you start with is... (laughs) It's absolutely critical because if you start with information, if you start with a story, if you start with a narrative or a voice that's telling you something that's not true about who you are, that actually shapes and forms your identity and who you are and who you are becoming. Two stories. Uh, I was in, when I was in college, I went to college as a freshman, declared as a youth ministry major. And for me as a kid growing up, I, uh, I had great parents. My parents loved me, supported me. My mom and dad, my dad was at every hockey game. Uh, so there was lots of love, lots of support, but not demonstrative kinds of people, right? Classic Scandinavian, Minnesotans, not very, like, didn't sort of gush these sorts of, sorts of emotions. I would go to other people's houses where they had these moms or dads who were just, like, gushy, gushy people, and I was kind of like, whoa, dude, what's going on here? And the commentary may have been, well, normal is going on here, but your experience is a little abnormal, so just hang with it, right? Uh, so just not a lot of, you know what, Micah, I'm really proud of you, and I love you, and I'm, I'm so excited about who you are becoming, and I think you are an amazing kid with all kinds, of, didn't hear a lot of that. I think I knew it, but I didn't hear it, right? So growing up, I had all kinds of ways in which I tried to be enough. Where I tried to be popular enough, I tried to be funny enough. I tried to be in with this crowd or that crowd or whatever crowd. I actually had a girl steal a pair of pants for me to go to a party because I wanted to fit in so bad. Do you remember Jabot pants? Do you guys remember those? Yeah, those were the big thing, and I, I didn't have any, so I'm like this girl, Carissa the Klepto. Uh, <laughs> I had her steal a pair of pants for me because I wanted to like fit in. Now, never mind, I was a toothpick, like, tiny little kid, and she stole me, like, a pair of 34, 36s. They were just gigantic, so I just ratcheted them up, you know, and then rolled them up, (laughs) tight-rolled them, so I was good to go. But tried to fit in in so many different ways, tried to fit in so many different ways, even into college. uh, And I I remember to this day, I remember vividly, just vividly, I was in the gym at Colorado Christian University, walking out of the gym, and I had one professor who was... uh, to this day, one of the best professors I've ever had in my life. Amazing, amazing prof. Just love the guy. And uh, so I had a a whole bunch of respect for him and, uh, you know, training to be a youth pastor. And he was the the dean of the youth ministry program. And so what he said, I, you know, that, that stuff, that mattered. And I remember my friend Krista, we're walking out of the gym and somehow we're stopped and a group of people were gathered around and she shared something that she heard from this professor about me. And I remember hearing it and she said that this prof said about me, he said, God is going to do some amazing things through Micah as a youth pastor and as a communicator. I remember that. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember that voice. I remember hearing her say that. Fast forward eight, ten years down the road, I remember sitting in an office. Uh, it was cold. The air conditioning was too hot. It was, it was on too much. It was really cold in the room. I remember what the person was wearing. I remember everything about the room. And I remember hearing a very different Voice. I remember after having some really hard conversations and some struggles between two staff people, me being one of them, and the senior leader at this particular church I was at. I remember hearing this: "You are uh, you're not a very good teacher, and you're not a very good leader. And uh, honestly, sometimes you're too flippant, and that betrays maturity. You're immature." Essentially. And I think you should probably just lead music or or keep doing something else. But you and leadership is just not going to work. Micah, who are you? How do you find, how do you, what information do you have that you start with? Where I begin and what story I choose to hear, what narrative I choose to, to listen to, what voice I allow to listen to, shapes who I am and who I'm becoming. And I would submit that the same is true for you today. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, if you would. Matthew chapter 3. It is Father's Day. I think that's a great thing to say. Dad, dad, dad. I love it. Matthew chapter 3, if you would. You keep saying that all day, Annie. Annie. Your dad will be really excited about that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 says this. This is Matthew's gospel. First account, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist has come on the scene. He's kind of declared, Jesus is coming, Jesus shows up. And we have Jesus' baptism, verse 13 says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replies, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, which is really clear. Thanks, Jesus. That's great. Um, Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven says, This is my Son in whom I am pleased. This is... This is my son in whom I am pleased. A couple of observations you should probably know about this text. First, this is before Jesus has done anything. This is before Jesus' public ministry. Remember, Jesus was born, died around 33-ish or so. When he first kind of started ministry, the first miracle, right, water into wine, keeps the party going, gets the good stuff out. Keeps the party going. First miracle is about 30-ish, okay? So this is before Jesus does anything. No sermons have been given. No people have been healed. Nobody has been risen from the dead. Nobody, no, 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 uh, no, uh Uh, no, No healings, no people have been exercised of demons. He hasn't gotten a promotion yet. He hasn't graduated with honors from his class. We know nothing about Jesus from the time he got lost in the temple to the time he shows up here. And this is what God says when Jesus shows up and the heavens open up and God says, this is my son in whom I am pleased. Before Jesus does anything, regardless of who or what Jesus has done, This is the divine, like, and by the way, Matthew taps into a story that we've heard before. The word descend, when the spirit comes down, the word descend has very, uh, Um, like one-to-one connections to the Hebrew word used in the story of Genesis 1 where the spirit of God is hovering over the waters. So Matthew taps into this primal story about the way in which the world was created and the fact that when God created it, it was good. And he connects that little stream to, to Jesus's baptism. And out of the water comes Jesus and God's voice, the divine voice says, this is my son and whom I am proud of, I am pleased, I love. There is, for Jesus, and and what does Jesus say to his disciples a little bit later on down the way? He says, listen, I only do what the father says. I only listen to the voice of the father. This is where Jesus starts from. This is the story that Jesus begins with. This is the information that shapes and informs Jesus's identity. This is my son. This is my daughter, in whom I am well pleased This is my son, this is my daughter in whom I am proud of, in whom I love, regardless, before you do anything. The divine voice of God shows up and says, Blessing, favor, love to Jesus. And I wonder, I wonder if that isn't what God would want to say this morning. If the joke joint were to open up, And God were to look down on you today, I wonder what He might say. I wonder what God might say. I have a sneaky suspicion it would be this is my son, whom I love. This is my daughter, whom I am just so pleased with. This is my son. This is my daughter. Probably one of your kids, too. And I think we listen to other voices. I think we listen to voices that say, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not fast enough. You're not as athletic enough. You're not as good as they are. You're not, you don't measure up. I have this hope, dream, expectation for you, and though I cloak it in love, it doesn't feel like love. And the question that's not really a question, right? How many, of we, how many of us have grown up listening to that? Is that really what you want to do with your life? You don't really want to wear that, do you? you don't, do you think that color looks good on you? What is it about moms? The question that isn't a question. Or you didn't work hard enough. There's actually somebody that worked harder than you did. You don't deserve that promotion. You don't deserve that. Accolade, you don't deserve that. It's, it's some, there's somebody better, somebody more deserving of that. I think these are some of the voices that we listen to. Turn to Genesis chapter three, if you would. And these are all voices that start from or, or start us down a very different path and from a very different place. And I think there's this fascinating little response in, this, in the story of the first humans. Adam and Eve, we have the garden, we have Adam and Eve, we have God, we have this shalom, we have the things that are right about the creation, about God and, and the world God made and the people that God made to live in the world and the world that they live in. All of this is good, right? This perichoretic, this perichoresis, this dance that's happening. It's all good. And then enters a new voice, another voice, a different voice. Because up to this point, what voice had Adam and Eve heard? The one that's where the sky's open and says, "This is my son, this is my daughter." And so a new voice enters. verse six of chapter three says, "When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, who didn't say anything, according to the text. And he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Man, so much there. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he, w- as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden, but the Lord called, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And God said, What does your text say? Who, who told you that? God doesn't say, I can't believe you didn't trust me. Why did you do that? I had created all this for you. And, and I told you not to eat of the one thing. And that's what you did. What, is, what does God say? Who told you that? Who told you that? Whatever it is that you walked in here this morning with, whatever voice, wherever you start from, can I just be one to say, who told you that? Or ask you, who told you that? Whose voice was that? Where did you hear that? And is it the same or is it different than the one where the skies open up and God looks down on his son and says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased, this is my daughter. This is the one I love. As your pastor, uh, I really want to invite you to trust what is actually true about you. You see, there's this bizarre thing we have called time. And for us, we talk about, well, are they saved or are they not saved? Are they in or are they out? Did they make the decision or did they not? Here's what's true. Jesus has done something historically and, and performatively in history, in time, that is for all for all, for all, for everyone, accessible and available to everyone, regardless of shape, size, race, color, class, regardless, for all. Jesus has done something that is for everyone. And what he has done gives us access to the life that he lived and the words that he hears from the Father, which is, this is my son and this is my daughter in whom I am pleased, in whom I love, in whom I welcome back. So this is true about you. Now, whether you live that, whether you believe that, whether you live into it and accept that, that's your choice. But I will just declare this morning, performatively, as a pastor who wants wants something for you, that this is true of you. What isn't true of you is you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you need need this, uh, this little cosmetic thing, you, you, you need to study harder, you need to work harder, you need to do more reps, you need to do this, you need to do that, you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, they're better, this is what I, that is not, who told you that? Because the voices and the stories and the narratives that we start with inform and shape and mold and create the people That we become. And I want to just offer to you this morning the absolute critical, critical nature of the fact that where you start from, for John, these people wandering around trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus, and John says, listen, 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 God is in you and you are in God because the Spirit of God is present in your life. This is where you start from, this is how you know. And I would just ask you this morning a couple of questions as we close. One being, who told you that? Whatever voice it is that you hear about whatever way you don't measure up or whatever way you're not enough or whatever way you don't cut it, who told you that? Because there is a voice and there is another voice in the story of the first humans. A couple of things I've been pondering lately about identity. Uh, who you aren't, it's just not interesting. It's not compelling. So all the ways that you don't, you you, you all of the ways that we say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite as good at that. All the things that you aren't, it's just not interesting and it's just not compelling. It really isn't. But somebody who just is anchored in who they are and how God has just fashioned them and where they're living from that sweet spot, now that is compelling. That is beautiful. That is interesting. But who you aren't, the ways that you don't measure up, it's not compelling. It's not interesting. If your identity is found in what someone else can do, it will always lead to despair. If you measure yourself against what somebody else can do, it will always lead to despair. Always. So who are you? How do you answer that question? I mean, do you see other faces? Do you, is, it, is it a graph? Is it a ticker? Is it pictures? Is it colors? But if you if you answer that question based on what somebody else does or can do or is possible for them, <laughs> I think the wisdom of the scriptures would say that, and Solomon would, would say that, just that's a road to despair. And last, I would say, don't hold up your interior to somebody else's exterior." Right? How often do we do that? where we, 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 we judge ourselves and our interior and what goes on in here that nobody else can hear, and what we judge it over and against is someone else's exterior. Also, a quick and fast trip to despair. You will never win that fight. I think what we see in John and what we see in Matthew's gospel and a few of the other gospel accounts is that where we start from and the information that we have and the story that we listen to and the narrative that we allow to play in our heads when we try to ask this question, who am I and how do I navigate this thing and what's at the core? Man. So, so important. And so many different voices that we hear day in and day out in our culture, in our families, in our jobs. And I just want to be one to, to say, to re- maybe remind you, maybe declare for the first time that I think if I think if the if the joke joint were to open up and we were to hear the voice of of God, I think the voice would sound a lot like, this is my son. And I love him. I'm so proud of him. And this is my daughter. And I love her. And I am so proud of her. I think that's the voice we would hear. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community. or on Twitter at awakeningcommunity. See you next time.